Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Mark, great to be with you again on another episode of Informed Dissent, available on all podcast networks, including Apple Podcasts. Um, We've got a unique show today. You know, we've been doing this for a while now, usually just you and I, occasionally we bring on guests. We've got some really good guests. Uh, But for now, we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Our show's been produced uh, by a couple professionals over the last, I don't know, three, four months, however long we've been doing that. And this will be an opportunity for us to introduce to all of you that are listening who our producers are and how we got involved in that. So our producers are Doc and Beth Moranville. Now, Doc isn't really a Doc, and we'll ask him about that. Had that name come up? His name is actually Tim, but he goes by Doc. Sometimes it confuses people. But anyways, so Doc and Beth, welcome. Say say hi. Thank you. Hey. Thank you for having us. (laughs) Thank you for having us for a guest on your show. Or as as you love it so much, Jeff. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Yeah, so where'd, where'd that y'all come from, Beth? Tell, tell, tell everybody where you're from. Well, I was raised in New York. and No, I'm South kidding. South New York. South New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Georgia, and I am a patriot, and I don't put up with anything, and I'm very disappointed in my home state. How about that? Yeah, how about that? And Doc, how do you get the, uh, the, the nickname Doc? Why do people call you Doc? Well, people call me Doc because my wife gave me that nickname. And it's the good doctor who fixes radio stations. There's a long story behind it and takes more than 30 minutes, which is what we have. But essentially, you have the answer. She gave me that name uh, actually when we first met a long time ago. Because you were working in Phoenix and you had PHX after your title with CBS Radio. And so I just put it as the good doctor, like PHX, like uh, RX, you know, whatever pharmacist thing is. So that's how it happened. It stuck. And now uh, it was the good doctor. And now it's just Doc. Got and it. No, uh, and no, uh, you know, anything else, including any insult to both of you. Yeah, y'all are the good doctors. <laughs> and you guys have been doing this for a long time and have repped and produced uh, some pretty famous people. Can you give us a kind of a rundown of who, who some of these uh, famous folks are that have crossed your path? Gosh, you know, just to be able to sit here with y'all right yeah. now and the work that you're doing and the, the bravery of and courage of what the two of you are doing almost makes me want to cry. And I don't take the blessing that God has given me over the years to be able to rep uh, Dennis Prager and Steve Dace and Michael Medved and Hugh Hewitt and um, Bill Bennett. I don't take any of that for granted. But the work that you're doing now, I'm so passionate about it. And so honored to be with you that there are nights that go into mornings because there's there's so much to do and you're doing such good work. I don't want to I don't want to stop. I just I want to get it done. I want to get what you're doing out there so that people have the encouragement. So, yeah, I've repped a lot of great, great folks, and I am honored to have been able to do that. But I'll have to say that the work that y'all are doing now, that this is more than sitting behind a mic, and I appreciate it so much. Yeah, I would echo that, too. It's, it's, it, it is just it's a pleasure to be involved with what you are doing and for the reasons you're doing it. And, yes, both of us have worked with a lot of, of people, but um, what we're doing right now is so important. So thank you. Yeah, well, well listen, we're, uh, we're, we're blessed to have you in our lives. You know, Mark and I 
I've known each other. Basically, we got to meet. We, we Mark and I became friends as a result of this pandemic. So there are a bunch of silver linings in this pandemic. The silver lining of people waking up to what's going on in public education, for example. I think I saw a statistic recently that LA Unified School District, that's the second largest school district in the country, has had something like 25 to 30 percent disenrollment as a result of the pandemic. So there are some silver linings. Uh, I've become friends with people that I never would have thought that I would have been friends. Some crazy psychiatrist up in LA uh, as a result as a result of this pandemic. And, you know, I, I kid Mark, I feel like I'm Mark's sidekick. He's uh, just a uh, unbelievably brilliant thinker and writer. Uh, you can follow him, by the way, on Substack. Mark, what's your Substack name that people can follow you on? It's Dissident MD. And that's also the same name as my literary website, where my links to the Substack, Facebook, Twitter, uh, as well as my book can be found. So it's a one-stop shopping for anybody that's curious about my thoughts and how I put them down on paper. And Mark's worth following. He really is brilliant. Um, very, very deep and organized in his thinking. And uh, it's, it's really a pleasure to work with you, Mark, and uh, to get to know you over the last couple of years. Beth and Doc, how did, how did we meet? How did the, the four of us meet? Remind us that. Godspeak. Godspeak. Uh, was it at Godspeak or was it at 412 It was Marietta? at 412 Murrieta. Yeah, you mm-hmm. were speaking at 412 yeah. Murrieta. And I because I've been in the business listening to conservatives talk for so long, I'm real particular and I'm listening very specifically. And when you said, if you touch the mask, you render it ineffective. That was it for me. It was like, that's done. It's a done deal. I don't know how, but I want to work with him because it was common sense and people weren't thinking like that. So I think about it every single time, every single time that I see somebody putting their hands all over their stupid, worthless mask. I think about, I just hear Dr. Barkey, if you touch it, you render it ineffective. And then with Mark, he was also... We met at 412 as well. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. was at 412. And there was another guy with him. There were two guests that night and one just talked and talked and talked. And Mark was just listening and absorbing. As he usually does. Yes. And then he opened his mouth and pow. Yeah, he said (laughs) that night he spoke on the eunuchs, the men who are refusing to stand up. And when he said it, I was like, that's it. I want to work with him. So I know when I hear somebody brilliant, I know it. I know it. And I know what's a story. And so when y'all were talking, I was like, there you go. I don't know how, but I'm going to trust God to make it happen somehow. and, and And by the way, after... After we finish these shows, uh, Beth typically will jump in and say, oh, you guys, this is the greatest show ever. This is fantastic. You guys are right on. So we've we've coined the nickname that, that Beth is actually mom. So we say thanks, mom. Thanks for thanks for uh, uh, for for the shout out. So, of course, Church 412 is Pastor Tim Thompson, and that's out in Murrieta, California, way, way in way, way inland to Orange County. It takes forever and a day to get there, but it's worth it. He's got a wonderful congregation a wonderful platform every, I think it's every Wednesday, he hosts a program called Our Watch and he brings in some very interesting guests. And uh, I've had the privilege to be on now a couple times. My wife has been on and no Mark has been on. Um, And uh, it's a, it's a great venue and uh, it's not, not too far from where you guys live as well. Right. And we go there. And also because just like Pastor Rob McCoy has talked about that the, when these pastors stood up, and said, 
we're not messing around with you. This is our nation, and we're going to stand for the freedoms that God gave us. When Tim Thompson did that, the same thing happened to his church, that he also had probably 100 to 200 people going. He stood up, and now the church has just bought this huge property in Temecula, which is probably gives the city council nightmares every night because it's now um, 412 Temecula Valley. So it will be the bane of, uh, <laughs> I mean, these these city councilmen, except for Jessica Alexander and Temecula, do not want to see this happen. <laughs> for sure. You know what, Beth, it, it'd be fun to get Mark and I out there together. And I know, I know Mark, it's, it takes, you're in LA, of course, it takes forever to get out there. I don't so have we'll, a helicopter yet. <laughs> I know that's what I keep going after. He- uh, but 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 there's a but there's a really nice shooting range out there. So maybe we go out there early and and play around at the shooting range. Oh, you could you could entice me with that. With that. <laughs> <laughs> we first met Tim Thompson when this all first started. Uh, I was working. We were working for a radio station here, and I did a round when this first started. I did a round of all the pastors. We called all the pastors in this area, and we said on the radio, "Let's do a day of pastors, and you all can give your wisdom, your advice, your whatever it would be at that time." And this was again like the first week or two of this, where people were frightened, and not anyone really knew what to do. And so we had a whole round of, I think we had 30 pastors on from around here that day. Yes. And Tim Thompson was the only one. (laughs) He came on and he's like, well, what I'm doing is I'm taking over a movie theater. We're going to do it in the parking lot. And then we're going to, and then the city council. Yeah, do Easter. And the city council blocked that. But we we were right in the middle of what he was planning of going up on the roof and putting some speakers up and all of this stuff. But he was among all of the pastors that we called, and, and it's kind of relevant to why informed dissent came around, of just that you got to have the information. But he was the only pastor that said, no, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to stay well, open. And part of what Doc and I do is something different. We are so not afraid to make waves. In fact, we have that plaque in our kitchen because we are going to stand, and we're going to stand with those who are going to stand. And so that's why we have the podcast network and that's why we have a christian radio stream that is so different it's not at all christian typical christian radio because i seem to i feel like a lot of that is uh je dollar sign u dollar sign (laughs) quite frankly around the the money part of it and so we have two radio streams that go across the world too called ruach dot live and um jeff i know you know what ruach means and so even with that, with the name of it, it means breath of God. And when Doc first felt the Holy Spirit say it's going to be called Ruach instead of some normal Christian radio station name, then I, in my prayer, went to Jesus and said, that really doesn't make any sense because people don't know what Ruach means. And what I heard back was, yes, people didn't know what Roku and Reebok and Kleenex and Q-tip meant either until they were told. And so I said, okay. I hear I hear they're going to name the next variant Ruach. Is that true? <laughs> well, the next part of that was what I heard from the Lord was, what is the number one thing that has been on people's hearts and minds across the world for the past um, two years at the time? And so I said, all right, I'm in. Yeah, I'll do it your, your way, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, 
there we are. <laughs> they said you have you have a plaque in your kitchen. What does the plaque say in your kitchen? Make it, waves. Make waves. Oh, make waves, literally. And I'm yeah, I am yeah. a redhead, so you know I have it genetically to make waves, and I am a beach girl. But I had some DNA testing done that I didn't really ask for. The doctor just did it, and it came back that I have Viking blood. And so for us, everything just kind of fell in yeah. place right then. We're actually two dangerous people to have together because I have the reputation of being a contrarian. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of dangerous, of course, we spoke to Rob McCoy, and uh, his, the theme of his sermon before he came on with us was about uh, dispelling this notion of safety and instead that he wants to be dangerous and wise. That's the plaque I'd like to have, be dangerous and wise. Yeah, yes, good. I just I talked with our daughter this morning and asked her to pray for me to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding and discernment and revelation. But that wisdom, I really need it because I am such a Viking that I don't play and I'll go after anybody that messes with my my family and my doctors. <laughs> <laughs> we just need know. to avoid that time when it's like you you hear the gunshot and it's like uh, he was with us <laughs> that guy was with us yeah so you know mark we we've been i can't remember i'm really bad with time how how long have we been recording these for now it's been like three or four months i can't remember more than that we started in uh late fall so oh geez probably august, September, october is that when we first started august yeah august. August. wow Oh, so it was earlier than even I thought. So we've been wow. going at this almost six months now. We're gonna we're gonna have to have like a big anniversary show or something. Oh yeah, and that merch thing because but we're gonna get ready. We're getting ready to start doing video with these doctors because one of the most fun things every time that we record is to see what t-shirts that Dr. Jeff and Dr. Mark are gonna have on. Beth, what, describe, describe to the audience, what, what am I wearing right now? Yeah. I tested positive for freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Mark had a great shirt on. Mark and I were at a, uh, a friend's 50th birthday party in Orange County last night, and he wore, he was, he was sporting a really cool t-shirt. Mark, what did, what did that t-shirt say? You don't have it on now, do you? No? I don't. My shirt on right now says Comote. And it's uh, imprinted on top of a llama. <laughs> okay. And llamas are spelled with two L's, L-L-A-M-A, which in Spanish is pronounced llama, which, of course, then can be translated as como te llama. Oh, got it. Isn't that I love you? No. Como te llama. No. <laughs> what what's is your it? Name? What's your name? Oh, what's your name? Oh, what yeah. Como se llama. That's the way I said. You know, Mark, we don't. when we talk, it's usually with either each other about COVID policy or this, that, and the other. We don't often share... Uh, information about us personally, but uh, it's, I think it's really interesting to know. You, you speak a handful of languages, don't you? I speak, in addition to English, French, Japanese, and Spanish. And I know a little bit of the probably half, I don't know, half a dozen other languages, but not enough to engage in any real conversation. How do you, how do you say COVID <laughs> is a hoax in Japanese? There you go. COVID wa tsotsuki I agree. <laughs> so you must be a lot of fun to bring to a sushi bar then, huh? Well, most sushi bars are run by Koreans and they don't speak Japanese. <laughs> okay. And I don't speak Korean. Anyan sanida. That's actually a secret that most people don't know about. When you go into a Japanese sushi bar, most of the time it's actually run by Koreans because they're very good at mimicking uh, Japanese cooking. And you can make more money selling sushi than you can selling the bimbap. So a lot of them will end up opening sushi bars because the profit margins are higher 
The danger, though, is that often the cleanliness and the quality of the fish is inferior to that of a traditional Japanese sushi shop. Now, of course, people are going to say I'm being anti-Korean. I am being nothing of the sort. I'm just speaking empirically from my own experience because I know Japanese sushi and sushi restaurants quite well. I lived with a Japanese sushi chef for six months when I was in my 20s in the western suburbs of Tokyo. And I lived in uh, the, the city for two years as well. And uh, I will not actually um, go into or eat uh, fish in a, in a Korean uh, run sushi shop because I've had problems with getting sick several times. Now, so I'm, now I'm, how, do you, how do you know? Uh, well, you try to speak to them in Japanese and they often can't answer you. Well, that's a problem if you don't speak Japanese. Correct. That's why if you don't speak it, then you're probably not going to be able to know unless you ask so, them directly. So note, note to self, only go, only have sushi with Mark McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'll teach us how to say COVID is a hoax in Japanese, then we can go in and know right away. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Eat there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if they look at you funny, then you know it's a problem. I got a question for you, uh, the two of you, um, and uh, this again is down the line of uh, personal experience, but you've been fighting this fight for two years-ish, give or take, and I would be curious to know that the two highs and lows, the thing that happened to you during this time, doesn't matter what it was, whether it was a speech or just a weird question or whatever, the, the, the oddest or most bizarre thing where you're still kind of scratching your head and going, did that happen? And then probably the highlight so far of, of what you've been through, and, and, uh, and that can even include if you're seeing a turn in, in this fight. Well, that's, those, are, those are really good questions. Um, I would say, listen, the highlight is anytime I can get in front of an audience uh, is the highlight for me. Um, be able to share the truth, especially in churches. Mark and I speak in a lot of churches. It's, it's kind of funny. I, I sort of kid around in, in dropping, in name dropping with pastors. But in, you know, listen, in Southern California, there are some very well-known pastors, including Jack Hibbs, uh, who invited me to speak at his church. Of course, Rob McCoy, who we've had on. God Speak, Calvary Chapel up in Thousand Oaks. Um, and Tim Thompson are probably... Uh, the three pastors that I've been hanging out with, but there's others as well. Joe, Joe Pettick, Calvary Chapel of Huntington Harbor. I've spoken there multiple times and other churches also. And the highlight really is, is when I have the ability to speak in front of a live audience. I think that's the most fun. Um, o- overlying that, the, the pain, there's been a lot of it. The pain has been that uh, even though, you know, people call Mark and I courageous and this, that, and the other, and maybe there's some truth to that, um, we're, we're human and we're, sub, sub, we're subjective to, to the pain that comes when people criticize you. And Twitter is a, is a horrible place um, because there's anonymity. And the vitriol that I see on Twitter is unbelievable. And... Early on, too, there would be phone calls to my office with the most disgusting recordings and calls that my staff would have to endure. And that's the part that's the most difficult. It's one thing for me to take the slings. It's another thing when it affects those that are associated with me. And there were patients that left my practice because they didn't like my politics. And I get it. And I was fine with that. Um, But then the doors opened. And patriots from all over the place came flooding in to the point where 
Uh, beginning of the year, I had to close my practice because it's just too busy. And I'm in the process right now of hiring a nurse practitioner to help me with some of that volume. So the, the pain of criticism and vitriol is real, especially when they attack my family, they attack my kids. Uh, my wife has had the brunt of attacks when she's associated with me. So, so that's the part that's painful, but the joy in it is knowing that we're influencing and reaching a very lar large audience. And listen, we're, I get emails all the time, every day, uh, through my personal website, Rx for Liberty and elsewhere, where people are reaching out and saying thank you, that I've made a difference, that I've helped them, whether it's helped them by treating them with COVID or making recommendations or inspiring them to step up out of their comfort zone and speak out, whether it's at a school board meeting or their own local church or their community. That's the part that really gives me the energy that allows me to continue on to know that to know that we're being purposeful. It's listen, it's fun. And and Mark, you may remember six months ago when we we were having dinner or something. I think it was at that Korean barbecue place. And we were talking about, about you know, hey, do you do you want to? Do, do you want to do a Do you want to do a podcast? I'd been doing some uh, Facebook Live stuff that that was really fun, and I thought it would be fun to formalize it. And go, hey, Mark, what do you think? We could do a podcast. I don't really know how to do that, but there's you know Doc and Beth, and they can help us out and so forth. And one of the things that we decided is that um, we would do this, but only if we're having fun. If we're not having fun doing it, what the heck's the point? Um, and now, you know, so now it's been six months and I know from my perspective, it's really fun. Um, especially because we get to meet some super interesting people that otherwise we wouldn't get to meet. I mean, we've had, of course, Peter McCullough on arguably the leading thought leader on COVID, uh, in this country, maybe the world. Um, but others as well that have just been fantastic. Like Laura Logan was just a hoot. I mean, she went on and on and on. And what people don't know if they listen to Laura Logan is we do this. We have a we have like a zoom like video so we can see each other while we're recording. It's hard to record if you can't see each other, play off each other's facial expressions and so forth. And Mark and I were making expressions when when Laura was on here because she was just a hoot and texting back and forth. It was a lot of fun. And others as well. Freedom fighters from around the country. I can't remember the guy's name from uh, from Ireland that we had. John on. Waters. Uh, yeah. And then that, that lady from Australia that was you know, living, living in a motorhome, you know, basically on the lam. And so it's really given us an opportunity to get to know people that we otherwise wouldn't get to know um, and have a lot of fun doing that. And, and I hope and pray that we're somehow making a difference in, in the lives and the energy and the, uh, and the outlook of people that listen. Mark, best of times, worst of times? I, I've actually had a very similar experience and it, it it really, I think, consolidated for me in a conversation I had last night at the at the birthday party that Jeff and I attended with others who were like-minded, uh, which is that th there's really a double-edged sword here, and you can't really have one edge without the other, meaning that it's not really possible and perhaps not even desirable to elicit support and gratitude and build relationships with people that you otherwise would not have had the opportunity to do while at the same time insulating yourself from all criticism and personal attack. I think that as, as Pastor Rob McCoy said uh, earlier when we were speaking with him, that 
those who try to avoid conflict really achieve nothing of greatness because conflict avoidance really prevents you from doing good. So I've had to learn, and I really mean that, learn experientially, not, not intellectually, but learn experientially, that by diving into conflict, by actually provoking conflict, you do really good. I had an Aikido instructor from Japan who said once that even though Aikido, which is a Japanese martial art, is primarily defensive, and it's the only martial art that the, uh, the occupational forces, the, the United States occupiers, um, after World War II allowed during the occupation of Japan to continue. They banned all forms of offensive martial arts, but they allowed Aikido to persist and to be taught because it's defensive. He said, you know, even in Aikido, uh, where you're acting defensively and you're waiting often to respond to an attack, you're never being taught to be offensive in Aikido. He said, sometimes it's really a good idea to go on the offense. If, if you see a, a a bunch of men lounging, moving towards you, uh, and you're anticipating that they're going to strike you, sometimes it's good to jump the jumpers and to go onto the offensive. And I, I still remember that to this day, you know, 20, 25 years later, because I think often to provoke conflict is actually the only way to do good. And so what, you know, what Jeff and I are doing often is intentionally provoking conflict, and not because we're trying to be um, vandals or arsonists, but we're trying to provoke uh, a conversation. We're trying to provoke thought. And by doing that, we are going to draw nasty, vile people towards us. That's just the price that we have to pay. And we have to expect that. We have to expect people who are not politely disagreeing with us, but who actually have bad character um, to be drawn towards us. You know, like moths are drawn towards a flame, but you can't turn on the light and expect to not draw a moth. You can leave it off, but you're going to be in darkness for, for all eternity. So I've had the, the, the joy and privilege of really attracting some wonderful people that I would never have met before and some, you know, some just average people who are great, who come up to me after conferences and events and they say, you know, I, I have uh, republished your podcast or your last Substack account posting, or or your book, handed out your book to people, and it's made a huge difference in their lives. I've received com comments from uh, people from around the world. A man from Australia who said I published, printed, you know, a hundred copies of your uh, child mask ban email onto paper and stuck them onto the fences of the local schools out here in Melbourne. Uh, I've had a woman from from Malta. Uh, tell me that uh, I gave words to the pain that she'd been feeling for two years of being alone in a sea of eunuchs on the island where she was stranded because of travel restrictions. So those are people that, to me, are, are individuals I never would have had an influence over in their lives before. And, and so for that, I, I have you know, a price to pay, a cross to bear, which is I have to, to deal with really nasty, ugly um, bad people that I probably would have been able to avoid and I wouldn't have had to deal with before. I can't really have one without the other, unfortunately. And that's just a, a kind of a, a piece that I've had to make with myself. But um, I do believe that the benefits have really outweighed the downsides. Because had I not done this, I think what would have happened is I would have stayed mired in Los Angeles in a kind of state of neutrality, of conflict avoidance with the world. 
And I think that the sickness that pervades Los Angeles, the psychological illness, this pandemic of fear, would actually have started to infect me. Not that it would have made me scared. I, I've been inoculated to fear since I was born. I don't think it, it's just nothing that, that, that troubles me. But I am not immune to uh, sadness, depression, anxiety, just feeling despondent, uh, being around uh, a lot of unhappy, sick people. And I think that really would have um, affected me in a way that might have been hard for me to manage had I not had the benefit of being able to uh, see that that positive spark and light in the eyes of people who I have touched by actually coming out of the closet, standing up and being public about uh, what I believe to be right. Um, and I, I encourage other people to do it for that reason as well, because as Dennis Prager often says, the, the part that you don't realize about standing up is that you're seen. And by being seen, uh, you will draw other people who are like-minded towards you, uh, as well as uh, the nasties. Uh, but you can't have one without the other. So that's the biggest, I think, lesson that I've learned in the, in the last couple of years is that you, uh, in making a choice and in, in, in provoking a conflict, uh, you draw good and you also draw bad. And you've just got to figure out how to build up your emotional muscle and your resilience to handle the crap that comes with all the good. Do, Mark, do you want to announce now to our audience when you'll be moving down to Orange County? I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, Riverside County. <laughs> well, as you suggested uh, yesterday, I, I might want to start with uh, you know a small apartment uh, that I can go to on weekends, and and then and then add some plants and furniture and uh, you know some pets, and then eventually it starts to become so impossible to avoid that I just up and move completely and, and not look back. It's exactly. You know, one of the things that I want to share about the two of you is that you're real. And there are people that my path crosses with who are not. It's not maybe that they're not real people, but they put up something that's unapproachable. And the two of you are approachable. And that's one of the things that I hear over and over and over when I'm talking with people across the country and across the world about having the two of you on their show, on their podcast, at their church, at their event, whatever they're having, is that the two of you are so real. And in a place where so many things are hard to decipher of what the heck is going on and what is truth, to know that when the two of you speak, separately or together, however that works, that people are going to be able to come to you and say, hey, I'm a real person and I have this going on. And you go back and say, hi, I'm a real person. And let me tell you what I yeah. have to share with you that will maybe help you and, and does help. It's just, it's such an incredible um, honor, really, to be able to work with two real people who are yeah. doing real work. I just, I'm so, I'm so grateful and aware of that every day and just to say that when people are looking for someone to come and stand and say real things and real helpful things that y'all are traveling all over the country now to speak and are available to do that and hey that's my job and then I get to make sure that you're treated well and loved on well because I am I am such a mama bear. 
Well, thank, that you, when, thank you, thank you, Mom. <laughs> that when you're speaking, I'm right by the phone. I am right to make sure that everything is going the way that it's supposed to be, or I will draw my Viking sword. <laughs> well, Maybe you know, we Jeff, need... Jeff and I really do enjoy being around people and talking to them and listening to them, and and that I, I think is genuine. Uh, which. I, I personally don't see often when I go to listen to people speak, I do get the impression that, that, that as, as Rob McCoy said, that a lot of people are, are maybe initially or certainly later are driven uh, largely by uh, the goal of uh, amassing money or, uh, or influence or power. And, and, you know, Jeff and I really aren't driven by that at all in our speaking. It's actually kind of a relief to know that uh, when we go out and, and talk and do the podcast, that uh, the, the gratification we're getting is, is not to pad our incomes or to achieve power. It's really to have a good time and to, to get in touch with people that we wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. And, and that's not something that you can uh, often have the opportunity to do without having a platform. I have uh, another question. I'm the question guy today. Yeah, you are. I'm just turning you? this into, you know, the other way around. You should go the into do- radio. The doctor, the doctor is in. Is in. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I, you know, I've been asking y'all for a couple of weeks, and we've had guests and guests, and we haven't gotten to this subject. But the, the thing that's on my mind that, uh, and I guess this is kind of a fear because I'm I'm rooting and cheering and I'm seeing from the you know all of these things happening. Pastor Rob, who was on uh, the previous Informed Dissent, talking about his church going from 300 to 2,000, and I know that we have the same experience with 412 Murrieta. And I look at that, you know, from a biblical standpoint, I think that's amazing. But also from a from a that we actually have people who are starting to stand up and they're starting to fight. They're starting to get in the game, and. Uh, so if I have a fear welling up inside of me, and I see what we've done with informed dissent, all of us working together, 250,000 downloads, that's yes. a lot of information that's out there. My fear, if I have one, is, okay, we are going to get um, uh, sucker punched here because uh, the masks are going away and things are opening up and there's this great storyline in the legacy media all about how things are getting back to normal and I even hear some of them saying the economy's good. I don't even know where that comes from. But um, <laughs> my question is, is the fight over? And that's the blunt one because there's a lot of people that 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 I deal with that are like, what are you talking about? Why are you so upset? And I'm not upset. I'm not that way, but you know, why are you still doing this? Because mm. it's over. The masks are gone and you know, people are going back to work. Some of the military gets to go. Uh, I guess if you're going to fight in really heavy combat, you can't go with COVID uh, or China without vi- a COVID test. China virus. But so the question really is, is it, is what's is there a next without being a conspiracy theorist and that's my pet peeve it's like okay let's be real about this what's next why are we still fighting where are we putting up and i know it's freedom but what's the next salvo that's coming over the line can you see that far from a medical standpoint well that's a great question doc so you know is our 15 minutes of fame up and do we not have anything else to talk about i think there's uh, i think that's uh, way far from the truth so the fight isn't over the fight is just beginning. Of course, Mark and I both live in California, uh, although our audience is around the world. But in California, this is ground zero uh, for the battleground of tyranny and Marxism. So as we speak, there are bills up in Sacramento, independent of what's going on with COVID, that are unbelievable. So there's one bill, for example, that will require all children 
to get a COVID-19 vaccine in order to attend school in the fall. That needs to be fought. There's another bill that affects Mark and I directly, and that is a bill that will allow the Medical Board of California to sanction physicians and come after our license for spreading misinformation and disinformation. Of course, those words aren't defined. Uh, and then there's also a bill that will require law enforcement agencies to enforce healthcare mandates. So right now, a lot of our constitutional sheriffs, Mark has one in LA County, uh, Sheriff Villanueva, and uh, we've got one here in Orange County with Sheriff Don Barnes, who have said, uh, no, not our job. We're not enforcing uh, vaccine and mass mandates. That's, that's not our thing. Let somebody else do that. Um, but this law will require that. And then, you know, even off the COVID thing, there's a, uh, there's a Second Amendment law up in Sacramento that says if you're a gun owner and you have a child in a public school, you're required to register that gun and to report on how you store that gun properly and keep it away from your child. So these, these laws are coming down uh, hard and quick, and I think there's a lot more to fight for than just simply COVID policies, and the COVID policies aren't going away. Uh, so Governor Newsom here in California has announced that these emergency mandates are still necessary. Emperor Fauci told us just last week uh, to be aware that there's gonna be new variants and that uh, um, restrictions and a return of some of these restrictions may be necessary. So this, is, this COVID battle is just emblematic of a much larger battle uh, for the soul of our country and for freedom and liberty movement. And so even if COVID suddenly disappeared tomorrow, and it's not, there's a lot more work to do. With a little luck in, in November, we'll take back the House and then we'll see a whole slew of investigations. I've spoken to several uh, congressional uh, leaders who you know, have said, what, what do you think we ought to do? And I said, well, number one, you got to investigate Anthony Fauci. We need to know the story behind it. And the public needs to know what he's been doing for the last decade plus. We need to know what role he played in gain-of-function research in this China virus in Wuhan, China, and on and on and on. Um, so the battle for liberty is still game on, and, uh, but the recruits are coming in, and we've got a larger army than I think we've ever had before. I was just going to say that this is really just a dress rehearsal. Mm. Yeah. We have not shut the theater down by any means. And as Jeff said, the next step for me on the macro level, because he's discussing you know, the micro level issues, uh, in other words, the point of attack that needs to be made. The bigger level issue, as I see it, coming up is accountability. I do not yet see any accountability being taken by people like Anthony Fauci and others in the government at the national or the local level. The fake Dr. Barbara Farrar, who runs the health department of L.A. County, has, as he said with Gavin Newsom, already said, already promised that she's going to bring down the lever and reenact all of these mandates again at the moment's, uh, at a moment's notice when she feels that it's important, when she feels basically on her whim, uh, which is pure despotism. So we really, in order to limit or prevent something else from happening like what we've gone through in the last two years, from that happening again, we must demand accountability. I'm writing a new book, which is going to be based 
upon the idea of fear addiction and how the fear model of addiction needs to be countered and treated. Is there a pill for that? <laughs> I wish there were a pill. It would make things a lot easier. Unfortunately, it's a very hard program to run, just about as hard as it is to go through AA. One of the steps, of course, is accountability and demanding accountability from yourself and from others. Because if you go and trash somebody's house and then the next week come back and say, wow, what a mess. Uh, good thing you had insurance. Let's have another party. They're not going to trust you. You have to come over and say, I trashed your house. I'm going to clean it up and I'm never going to do it again. That has not yet happened. Our country has been trashed and the people that trashed it, they have not yet admitted to their misdeeds. That I think is the next step. And I have not seen that step being taken. So if we just close the book and move on and say, wow, mass mandate's gone, shop mandate's gone, let's just move forward. Guess what's gonna happen next? Well, I can already anticipate because it's already happening. It's $7 a gallon gas, it's more taxes, it's patriotism through self infliction of emotional and economic wounds, which were already being demanded and ordered to hold. Because if you even raise a finger, even if you're a Democrat like Tulsi Gabbard, who was 20 years in the army as a colonel, if she just asks a question about the war in Ukraine and Russia, she gets called a traitor by the former presidential candidate Mitt Romney of Utah, who's a, who's a Republican. So, so these, these are, and he's a, da a draft dodger, so who's he to talk? So I, I think this is, this is really the next battle in the bigger war, which is a war for accountability on the part of our elected officials and others, as well as a, a, a movement which was started long ago and continues to be moved through different theatrical stages, one with the Wu flu and now next with the war in Ukraine and Russia, which is a war for dependency against the war for independence. Because freedom and independence, the inverse of that is dependency. And that's really what, what noose is being pulled around our necks. And if we, can, if we can see when steps, laws, legislation, orders, mandates, coercive tactics, guidance, misinformation, what have you, is thrown at us, if we can see and decipher and determine which of that is pro-independence, which of that is pro-dependence, then we're still in the war. And if we fail to see that, if we fail to distinguish between a request for dependency versus a request for independence, uh, we're sunk. And that's the big picture, you know, to, to counter, not to counter, to complement what Jeff is saying about the, the micro. We have to look at the macro, too. Well, yeah. and the other thing that the two of y'all are fighting so hard is the carnage that's left from these parents who you've both talked about have abdicated their responsibilities in raising their children and instead have, as you said, s tried to suffocate them with these masks and all of this fear. And so when people say, oh, we can just, the kids can take the mask off and go back to, you know, like it's 2019, that carnage has got to be cleaned up. And that's not just carnage, that's our precious children who will go forward in leading our nation. And so it's not just back to what it used to be. And Mark, I heard you speaking this week and on the level of your new book, one of the things based on the 12 steps admitted that I was powerless over the addiction of it. But the part of making amends that you were talking about these parents and teachers and all of the ones that the children and the kids trust to go to them and to make amends with them for what they've done. Can you speak to that? Well, I think the next generation of kids is going to distrust the adults. If, not if, when, 
when they discovered that they were lied to and they were abused by the very people that were entrusted with their care, which was their parents, their teachers. How can you grow up and, and trust adults when your teachers have been siding with the abusers for the last two years? And I, I really mean that literally. Teachers, then the profession of teaching, in my view, has just become despicable. There are always exceptions. There are always individual teachers that are lovely. However, the majority of instructors in the educational system, both public and private, K through 12, have become despicable in my view. And the unions that support them and, and, and collude with them are equally despicable. So parents and teachers have really let the kids down. And I don't see parents or teachers owning up to that and apologizing and asking for forgiveness. If they do not, these kids will grow up and they will learn the truth and they will no longer trust adults, parents, and teachers. And that will be a huge loss for them because cynical, resentful, angry young adults are not going to make for a great generation in the next 20 to 30 years. I agree with you, Mark, 100%. And I know we're, um, we've gone a little bit over time here in, in talking. And uh, Beth and Doc, it's, it's really been a joy. I, I wasn't sure how this would go. Uh, but I think it's fantastic getting your input and great questions, Doc. And uh, listen, I hope on some level the audience uh, feels a little bit closer to us, understanding what we do and how we do it and the role that you all play uh, in in helping us bring this forward to as much as many people as will listen. And so we'll bring you more episodes like this on a personal level because I think it's really a lot of fun. And we've got some great guests lined up and some some big names that we're working on that we're just waiting to come through. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. And we've got, um, got, a, got exciting more uh, information coming on informed dissent. So Beth and Doc, thank you. Mark, pleasure to be with you again. And we'll do this again. Love real you, soon. Thanks to you. <laughs> You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, informed dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.